0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and in episode 26, I'm going to recap the Trojans' men's basketball season with someone who knows the feeling of making a run to the Elite Eight of the NCAA Tournament with USC. Jeff Trepanier was a starting guard as a senior in 2001, which was the previous time the team made it that far in the big dance. He was drafted after that season in the second round by the Cleveland Cavaliers and spent three seasons in the NBA with the Cavs and Denver Nuggets before playing in Europe for many years. After finishing his playing career, Jeff returned home to SoCal and is now the Director of Basketball Operations for the Compton Magic, the same grassroots AAU program that he once starred for. Jeff, thanks for joining me today on the Everything USC podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. That was an awesome introduction.
1: (laughs) Hey, it's all true. All facts, right?
0: (laughs) It is. It is.
1: So, of course, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please subscribe and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or more. Or you can also go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. You can catch up with me there, throw me any comments or questions you have about USC or any sports in general. Jeff, anything you want to get out there, whether it's social media or whatever, let the people know.
0: My Twitter is at Jeff Trepanier. My Instagram is at CPT Rider. that's C-P-T-R-I-D-A. And, of course, you can follow Compton Magic Basketball. They have their own IG page, too.
1: The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We all know that it's been an impactful year in so many ways, among them dealing with a global pandemic and seeing so many athletes find their voices when it comes to social issues that sometimes the games themselves became afterthoughts or even canceled outright. When the college basketball season was starting up in the fall of 2020, there was still a lot of uncertainty about whether we'd be able to get through it and see the finish line. So despite the fact that the entire NCAA men's basketball tournament was held in Indiana, and one first-round game was lost due to COVID-19 issues with the team, just having March Madness back was a big step, in returning some semblance of normalcy to the sports world. I bring all of this up because the events of the last year may have obscured how important it was for USC to have a successful basketball season because the program was really at a crossroads. After back-to-back appearances in the NCAA tournament in 2016 and 17, the Trojans were controversially left out in 2018, going to the NIT instead, slumped to a losing record the following season, and then had last season abruptly ended by the pandemic before a likely return to the big dance. The NCAA issued a notice of allegations to SC in December of 2019 regarding the FBI investigation that led to the dismissal of assistant coach Tony Bland, but that matter wasn't resolved until just this week. Head coach Andy Enfield's seat was starting to maybe get a little warm, and USC was picked to finish sixth in the preseason Pac-12 media poll, despite bringing in a consensus top 3 recruit in Evan Mobley, plus a slew of experienced transfers. So, with all of this going on, the Trojans ended up second in the Pac-12 regular season, and then made an Elite 8 run, finishing with a 25-8 overall record. Jeff Trapani, in your opinion, how critical was it for USC to end up with a successful season this year?
0: Well, we were due for a good season. You know, like you said, the last few were up and down, more on the downside. But, you know, we have the talent. It takes time. And you just have to be patient, wanting a winning program. And these guys were able to put that together this year and make a good run.
1: They absolutely did. That run, of course, culminating in the Elite Eight. And they finished ninth in the final USA Today coaches poll, which is the highest that the Trojans have ever finished in that poll after their first trip to the tournament since 2017, like I mentioned. And let's go through that run to the Elite Eight a little bit in the NCAA Tournament. In the first round, as the sixth seed in the West, the Trojans took on a winner of one of the first four games, 11th seeded Drake out of Des Moines, Iowa, and beat the Bulldogs 72-56 in that game. Evan Mobley had a double-double, 17 points, 11 rebounds. Older brother Isaiah... Contributed 15 on 6 of 7 shooting. Drew Peterson also double figures with 14 points in that game. Taj Eady had 10 assists to go along with his 9 points and 6 rebounds. And they really overwhelmed the Bulldogs with their size in that one. And followed that up in the second round by absolutely destroying the Kansas Jayhawks. The number 3 seed in the West. 85-51. The worst Tournament loss ever suffered in the long and storied history of Kansas basketball. SC shooting 57% from the field, 61% from three, and their usual terrible 59% from the free throw line in that game, but it didn't matter because they held Kansas to 29% shooting from the field, just 24% from three. Isaiah again having a big day, four of five from three point land, finishing with 17 points, eight rebounds, four assists. A ho-hum double-double out of Evan, 10 points and 13 rebounds to go along with five assists and three blocks, and Isaiah White contributing with three three three-pointers and 13 points in that one. And so that set up a Sweet 16 game against a Pac-12 rival, the seven-seeded Oregon Ducks. And just like they did at Galen Center during the regular season, they took out the Ducks again, 82-68, shooting 57.5% from the field, 58.8% from three, and an amazing for USC, 83.3% from the free throw line in that one. Isaiah White, absolutely unstoppable, 22 points, 8 of 10 from the field, 4 of 5 from three. Taj Eady, just like he had done to the Ducks in the regular season, comes up big again with 20 points on 7 of 11 shooting and three three three-pointers. Evan Mobley, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 blocks, led the team in rebounds and assists for the game. And Isaiah, continuing his strong tournament run, had 13 points on 6-9 shooting to go with 6 rebounds. So that set up the huge Elite 8 game against the number 1 seed, the top-ranked team in the country, the Gonzaga Bulldogs out of Spokane, Washington. And that is where the great USC Trojan run came to an end as they fell 85-66 to Gonzaga. They just got off to a bad start in that game, never seemed to be in it, fell behind quickly, allowed Gonzaga to shoot 50%, which is something USC rarely allowed opponents to even get close to during the regular season, out-rebounded 41-29, which was usually a Trojans advantage. Isaiah had 19 points, Evan had 17, Drew Peterson chipped in 13, but They just had a hard time stopping a couple of Gonzaga stars. Drew Timmy, the big man with 23 points and five boards. And Jalen Suggs, another guy who's going to be a top draft pick this year, had 18 points and 10 rebounds to go along with eight assists on 7 of 11 shooting. So when you look at what USC did in the tournament, Jeff, what do you see that was so great about how they were able to make that type of run?
0: It made me think about our run. How the guys just played tough, just played open with a lot of confidence. They didn't care who shot the ball. Everybody was just rooting for each other on the team and everybody wanted to see each other win. So the guys played loose and just went out there and wanted to win. And that showed like the guys were just loose and got it going.
1: Of course, you are very familiar with the Mobley brothers because they came up through the Compton Magic program. How's it been watching their growth over the years and what they were able to contribute to USC this season?
0: It's been awesome watching them grow. You know, they come from a great family. Compton Magic had a good time with them. You know, they they grew up in our system. And we knew they would be special. We knew they could play the way they've been playing. You know, they were both McDonald's All-Americans. And for them to be able to display it to the whole U.S. in a tournament, that was good for them.
1: Looking forward to seeing more of what they'll be doing in the future, both at SC for Isaiah and in the pros with Evan. And so you brought up, again, the Elite Eight run that you guys made in 2001. On that team, of course, you were a senior along with Brian Scalabrini, Sam Clancy, David Bluthenthal, now known as David Blue, of course, and Brandon Granville were juniors. You had a hotshot freshman in Desmond Farmer on that team. Tell me, what do you remember the most about that team and that season in 2000, 2001?
0: The thing I remember the most was we were just like such a tight knit. We all hung out off the court. We were always in each other's apartments and dorm rooms, just hanging out. And we, like this team, we all wanted to see each other succeed. There was no ill will from anybody on the team. Nobody was selfish on the team, including the coaches. And we all just wanted to uh, have a good future.
1: And during that season, of course, USC finished fourth in the then Pac-10 and got an at-large bid into the tournament as a sixth seed, just like this year's team. It was the sixth seed in the East instead. And going into the tournament, you had a first-round matchup against Oklahoma State, and even though they were an 11th seed, they had a legendary coach in Eddie Sutton, and a lot of people even though Oklahoma State was one of the last teams to make the tournament, basically, as an at large, some people were picking the upset there. Did that motivate you guys to like, say, hey, we got to show what USC is made of?
0: Yeah, we knew that was going to be a tough game because everybody in America wanted them to win. That year, some staff, and I, I'm not sure if it was like a couple of welcome ones, but like they had one of their team planes went down and they had some casualties. And so they sort of became America's team in the tournament. And so we knew we just had a lot riding against us. Like Everybody was rooting against us that game. And so we just locked in, and Coach Bibby had us ready for it.
1: And then the second-round game against the Big East champion Boston College team, they were the three seed, and you took them out 74-71. What do you remember from that game taking on the Eagles?
0: We knew that was going to be another tough game, but we were locked in, ready to go. Like I said, once again, Coach Bibby had us ready. And just at that time, we felt like we didn't have anything to lose, and we felt like we could win every game. So we just had tons of confidence, and we were just ready to play. We were really locked in that tournament. like We really wanted to win.
1: And then so, of course, the next weekend in the regional site in Philadelphia at what was then called the First Union Center, now the Wells Fargo Center, which is where the 76ers play their home games. And it was basically... Something that the national storyline was that, okay, the number one seed is Duke. The number two seed is Kentucky. They're going to match up again in a rematch of that classic game that happened in Philadelphia where Christian Leitner catches the pass from Grant Hill and makes the miracle shot to beat Kentucky way back when. And everyone thought, okay, that's what it's set up for. And, of course, the Trojans come in and spoil the party, taking out the number two seed Kentucky Wildcats, 80 to 76 in the sweet 16 to set up the matchup against the number 1 seeded Duke Blue Devils in the Elite 8 and of course just like this year's team you guys also fell short in that Elite 8 game against a one seed that went on to the national championship game Duke beat you guys by 10 even though I still think that there were some shady officiating that Duke always seems to get in those games and Absolutely. that helped them a lot in that win but what do you remember about beating Kentucky and then playing Duke
0: Kentucky was a good team. Kentucky was good. They had Tayshaun Prince, Keith Bogans. You know, they had an awesome coach, Tubby Smith. We knew that was going to be a tough game. And we came out ready to compete. It was a good all-around game for all our players. Like I said, we were confident. We didn't think anybody could beat us. So we just, even when the game was close, we didn't think like we were going to lose or anything like that. We were prepared to play every game. Like the coaches really had us studying film, studying the players. So we knew what we had to do.
1: And then against Duke, what do you remember the most besides Duke getting all the calls in that game? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Duke, they were awesome. Jason Williams, he had the ultimate green light. He was a very tough player to stop. And they did have a lot of help from the refs. It was obvious. But, you know, we could have played a better game also. But, you know, playing against seven guys is always tough. We still had a chance a few times, but Duke was good. They ended up winning the championship. So we. Can't get too upset about it. You know, we lost to the champion, so it was a good run for us. We were happy.
1: Do you ever talk to your old teammates about those days and how things were so close to maybe making a Final Four?
0: This year brought us a lot of memories just because with SC having their run, you know, we were always brought up. So we stayed in touch. We always stayed in touch, but we just started talking about, like, the old times and what could have been. But, yeah, it brought up a lot of memories for us. It got a lot of good stories.
1: All right. So there you go. I mean, 20 years apart, Elite Eight runs by the USC Trojans. And of course, you guys, I remember that team very well. I was just a recent graduate of USC at that point. So I was still young. That was one of my favorite USC teams over the years was your team. And then this year's team, Was sometimes maddening to watch because you'd watch them just miss free throws and wonder like, come on, guys, like you got to be able to make some free throws here. But for the most part, getting to watch a talent like Evan Mobley and the fact that he just fit in so well with the team. And we'll get more into that as well as we go along with this show. But definitely fun to watch those teams make their elite eight runs for USC. You are listening to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Naro Wang. My guest today, former USC men's basketball player and NBA player as well, Jeff Trepanier, a local kid made good who is now the director of basketball operations for the Compton Magic program. And if you want to catch this podcast, go to your favorite podcast directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. Subscribe and rate the show. You can also go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe podcast. To catch up with me on social media, I'm on Twitter. Find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Jeff Trapagne, let the people know how they can find you.
0: Yes, on Twitter, it's at Jeff Trapanier. On Instagram, it's CPT Rider, C-P-T-R-I-D-A.
1: The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Kanan. Have you ever had sunglasses that failed to block the glare or would break or scratch easily? I know I have. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Kanan. Kanan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger. And Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KananCAST15 at Kanan.com to receive 15% off on your first pair. That's K A E N O N C A S T. 1 5. Kanan, clearly better. All right, Jeff, now let's talk about the future of USC basketball coming off a great season going to the Elite Eight. Just this morning, as we record on a Friday, Evan Mobley has made the formal announcement on Twitter that he is going to turn pro and enter the NBA draft. No surprise, everyone knew that was coming. And as someone that you've known for so many years as Evan came up through the Compton Magic program. What do you see for him going into the NBA? What are his prospects?
0: He's going to be an awesome player. He's such a unique talent. He can run, he can defend, he can shoot, he can dribble, he finishes strong. So I mean, sky's the limit for him. And he's going to be a top pick. He's going to be in the NBA for a long time.
1: We'll see how things go with workouts and What kind of stuff people will see? Comparing him to the other top candidates out there, like a Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, like Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, a couple of the G League Ignite guys who skipped college, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga. What do you think makes Evan stand out from some of those other talented guys?
0: Just his talent, skill. Like, I mean, you can't teach seven feet, athletic jumper, blocker, shooter. Like, you can't teach that. So. I think he has the best upside just because he's tall and the way he can move. So I think he's a pretty good prospect.
1: And I think sometimes when people say that, oh, he needs to get more aggressive, and I agree partially with that, but I think that's going to grow with time as he gets bigger and stronger and more mature. And also, I love the fact that he did what it took to win. Even if that meant that he wasn't taking shots and scoring a lot, he was a team player and did what it took to get the Trojans a win. And I think that's an underrated quality that you don't see sometimes in some of these high-profile, big-shot high school recruits that come into college, right? You see them looking to get points, looking to put up stats. And Evan just did what it took to win. And I think NBA teams should appreciate that.
0: They will, and they do. He's very unselfish. And you got to think that in the NBA, it'll be totally different. It's more open. And so he'll have a lot more room And college, you know, college kind of holds you back because it's a structured system. He wasn't aggressive because he didn't have to be. And he'll grow into that. So he'll be okay. He'll be okay. His NBA game will translate a lot better.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. And the other Trojan who has made his NBA draft status known is guard Taj Eady. The transfer from Santa Clara had a very successful season at USC and he will turn pro as well. And then. A couple of the other guys who came in as grad transfers, Chavez Goodwin and Isaiah White, the question is with them, because their pro prospects aren't as solidified as obviously Evan and maybe even Tajidi, but with the NCAA basically giving everyone this season a chance to come back with an extra year of eligibility, would Goodwin and White take it? Well, both have announced that they will remain Trojans for yet another season. So what do you think of that rule and the decision to come back? And do you think that's going to be something that a lot of people will take advantage of across the country?
0: Yeah, why not? Why not? If you have an extra year to help your team get better before you turn pro, yeah, why not do it? I think it's an awesome idea. I think it's good that the NCAA did that for the guys.
1: And so the incoming recruits for USC, one of them of course, already started his career. Reese Waters graduated high school early from St. Bernard High in Playa del Rey, and the 6'5 guard enrolled early, was able to get into 10 games with USC. He was the number 52-ranked recruit in the nation, uh, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings, the fourth-ranked player out of the state of California. And he, of course, also came up through Compton Magic, Malik Thomas, 6'3 guard out of Damien High School in Laverne, another player who went through Compton Magic. He is the 81st-ranked recruit in the nation, number 6 in California. Scored 888 points as a junior to set his school's single-season scoring record. There's a 6'6 guard out of Milwaukee's Nicolette High School, Kobe Johnson, coming in, the 6th-ranked player in the state of Wisconsin by 24-7 and Harrison Hornery, 6'9 forward out of modern day down there in Santa Ana, 14th ranked recruit in the state of California, and a guy who's originally from Australia, and so those are the guys who are coming in. At first, there was a thought that there would be another transfer from the JUCO ranks, KJ Allen from East LA College, but he has decided this week to go to Texas Tech instead, and Of course, you are familiar with him as he is another one of the Compton Magic guys. So Mm -hmm. talk Mm -hmm. to me about the incoming guys that you see for USC, especially, obviously, you know, Reese and Malik pretty well.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have a good class coming in. It's going to hurt us losing Evan, but I think we'll be solid. We have a good group of guys coming in, a good group returning. So, hey, maybe we can make another run next year. You never know.
1: What do you think went into KJ's decision to go to Texas Tech instead of USC? I don't know. I don't know. You know,
0: you always have to make the best decision for yourself. So he felt Texas is better. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you you're happy, you're satisfied with your decision, it's okay.
1: And then when it comes to the transfer portal, obviously, the transfer portal is big news, because there are over 1300 players who have put their name just after this season into the transfer portal nationwide. And so Noah Bauman, who had transferred into USC a couple years ago from San Jose State, he is moving on and going to Georgia to play for Tom Crean there. He had 3.6 points per game in 11 minutes per game in his one season with the Trojans. After having to sit out a year as a transfer, which we'll get to as well, the NCAA is going to get rid of that rule and allow people to play without sitting out after transferring one time and. Boogie Ellis, the 6'3 guard who played two years at the University of Memphis this past year as a sophomore, averaged a little over 10 points a game, shot 40% from the field, 38.5% from three. He was a four-star recruit out of Mission Bay High School in San Diego back in 2019. He announced on Twitter that he is committed to coming to play for USC. There's also reportedly some interest in UNLV's Bryce Hamilton, who put his name in the portal. He was the leading scorer for the running Rebels the last two seasons as a sophomore and junior. First team All Mountain West as a sophomore, second team this past season as a junior. And so, what do you think about those moves in and out by USC in the transfer portal? And what do you think of the transfer portal just in general? That's something that you didn't have back in your day.
0: Right. I think it's good. I mean, you shouldn't be punished for wanting to transfer, you should be able to play right away which is a good decision they made. And yeah, we do have some good transfers coming in that'll help us. So we'll take them all. (laughs) Keep coming, guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think Coach Enfield showed this year, because that was one of the big questions before the season, a lot of transfers on this team. How are they all going to mesh? And I would say he did a pretty good job with that, right?
0: Well, yes. If you come in and buy into the system, it'll be okay. If you come in ready to work, willing to learn, then sky's the limit for the team.
1: And as I brought up, the NCAA Division I Council has approved the new rule, which will allow players in all sports to transfer one time without sitting out a season. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but there were only five sports in the NCAA where you couldn't do that. And that was football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, and men's hockey. So... People in those so-called Olympic sports, they could transfer without sitting out, but it was in these higher profile sports where you couldn't do it. So now the NCAA has changed that. It's going to be approved officially later this month by the entire board of the NCAA Division One, and that rule is going to change. And had this rule been in effect back in your day, do you think it would have affected any of the guys on the team, even yourself possibly, thinking about it as a young player who maybe didn't get the playing time that you wanted right away? Would you have thought about something like this? Or like there are pros and cons to this, I think.
0: Yeah, it's definitely pros and cons. For me, no, I would have stayed put. But for a few guys, definitely. I mean, you can't satisfy everybody. And so a lot of guys definitely would have transferred. It definitely would have been something different back then, but no, for me, it was fine. It was fine. It was a learning process for me. So I was okay with it.
1: And I think there's always that grass is greener, right? On the mm-hmm. other side. Yeah. And, and then you yeah. see these guys who transfer every year and it's like, nah, well, I mean, is it really helping you out to do that? Where maybe if you had gone through one program and learned and developed, yeah, maybe you have to wait a couple years to get to play, but you can break out as a junior and show what you can do right? Instead of just continually going into new programs and learning new systems and new coaches year after year.
0: Yeah, it's definitely pros and cons. Like if you go to a program that believes in you, it'll definitely be helpful. But yeah, it could go either way. It could go really good or it could go really bad.
1: We'll see how the rule goes. But I mean, I think we were leaning toward that happening anyway. And I think it's a perfectly good rule to have it like that, because that way every sport is treated the same when it comes to that. So let's talk about Coach Andy Enfield a little bit. It seems like his job status is probably solidified by making that run to the Elite Eight, getting named Pac-12 Coach of the Year for the first time. And as I mentioned in the introduction, they finally found a resolution to that NCAA investigation. Two years of probation handed down, a fine of $5,000 plus 1% of the basketball budget. They deemed the previous self-imposed punishment of the loss of two scholarships and recruiting limits back in the 2018-19 season as acceptable for the level one violation that it was. And they described USC's cooperation with the investigation as, quote, exemplary, which is something that you rarely hear when it came to USC and investigations in the past, I guess. Right. (laughs) So I'm glad that at least the compliance office seemed to work well with the NCAA in this regard. And again, these investigations take way too long to come to a resolution. So I'm glad it finally is done. It's not going to continue to hang over the program. And I think, honestly, that the punishment is, I can't believe I'm saying this, is fair. What do you think? I think it is. I think
0: it Like is. We've been screwed in the past a few times, not just basketball, but Maybe they they felt like they owed us one. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking that too. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that was a good decision. Like, they definitely owed us one. Let's just put it out there. They owed us a few.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They owe us a few, right. (laughs) Yeah. So that at least has been taken care of. And so there's no cloud hanging over Enfield. But what we saw with the other two Pac-12 coaches who made runs to the Elite Eight, Mick Cronin, cross town at UCLA, and Wayne Tinkle up at Oregon State, They got extensions to their contract, and Andy Enfield did not. He reportedly has two years left on his deal, which is about the time you start talking about extension. Do you think that's something USC should do for Coach Enfield? I think
0: so. I think so. Like you said, the other guys got rewarded. He finally got us a good run. He has some good players coming in. So we should be solid for a few years.
1: Why not? Why not? And overall, what do you think of the job he's done during his time at USC?
0: Well, you know, today's culture is win now. And so we're never satisfied as fans. I think he's done a good job. You know, it, it always takes time to build a program, a new program. When you come in, you know, are your guys in. So I think he's been good.
1: And so we will see going forward as USC tries to keep up with the other teams in the Pac-12, which of course had such a successful run as a conference this year in the NCAA tournament, and maybe woke up some people on the East Coast who aren't paying attention yeah. to the basketball on the West Coast outside of Gonzaga, maybe, that, yeah. hey, yeah. Pac-12 can play some too. So we'll see how that goes. Again, you're listening to the Everything USC podcast. I'm your host, Naro Wang. My guest today is a former NBA player and a star at USC. Jeff Trepanier, if you enjoy the show, subscribe and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com on social media at Believe Podcast. For me, I am on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Jeff, let the people know how they can reach out to you.
0: Once again, Twitter at Jeff Trepanier, Instagram at CPT Rida, C-P-T-R-I-D-A.
1: The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source for high quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. Don't you want better sleep, more focus and energy, a stronger immune system, and less stress in your life? That's why Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan and low sugar. Just Live was founded by pro athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted a CBD product they could trust and stand behind. If you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, you should be giving these a try. Right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. There are six different benefits to choose from, and instead of choosing just one, visit justlive.com and use code SUPPORT to buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free of the new gummies line with code SUPPORT at justlive.com. That's buy one, get one free at justlive.com use code support So we've talked a little bit with Jeff Trapanier about his 2001 Elite 8 run during his senior season, but I want to get into your remembrances about your entire time at USC. Of course, you came out of Compton High School. I believe you were the first member of the Compton Magic program to enter USC as a player. And so, talk to me a little bit about your career coming in as a local kid out of Compton. And of course, back then, Compton Dominguez was the big program. You guys were kind of like little brother in Compton. And then coming to USC, tell me a little bit about how it all started for you.
0: Yeah, just coming up in Compton period was tough. Playing basketball was an outlet. So being able to get a scholarship from USC, staying local, my friends and my family being able to see me play, that was an awesome experience.
1: And was it always in your mind to stay local? Was that one of the goals when you were getting recruited?
0: No, no, I actually wanted to go out of town. I wanted to go to Cincinnati. That's when they had all they had Kenya Martin, yeah, and all those guys flying around beating people by like forty, fifty points. So I really wanted to go to Cincinnati, but going to USC was the best decision of my life. I think just being able to stay home, it turned out for the best.
1: So you come into USC's program and. When you got in your sophomore season, the recruiting class that was brought in with Clancy, Bluthenthal, and Granville, and then Scalabrini comes in as a transfer, did you think right away, hey, this is something that could be special?
0: Yeah, I knew we had a good group of guys coming in, and we just had to put it together on the court. You know, you always think you can make a good run in a tournament, make the tournament win a championship, but to be able to grow with those guys and get to the Elite Eight, that was a good feeling. We knew we could do it, but we just had to do it on the court.
1: And what was it like playing under Henry Bibby?
0: Bibby was a great coach. He had a lot of knowledge as a player and a coach. So he always had us prepared for games. We had so many offensive plays. He was an NBA guy, so we had a lot of NBA sets. He just had us ready. Coach Bibby, Coach Miller, David Miller, Subi Dominguez. We had a great coaching staff, good group of guys. And we all, like I said, we all wanted to see each other win. So we were there for each other and that helped out a lot.
1: And so I've got a couple of special questions for you as well from one of your old teammates, Shelby Jordan. You remember Shelby? I remember him a little bit. (laughs) No, that's my boy. That's my boy. So Shelby wants me to ask a couple of questions. So the first one is, what were the practices like under Henry Bibby after a loss?
0: Oh, God. It was so crazy. You know, one good thing about Coach Bibby, he never tried to embarrass you like during a game or in the media. But in that locker room and that practice, he would rip you a new one. And after a loss, especially if we knew we were supposed to win, he would kill us. Like he was a big conditioning guy. So we would do like suicides, which is just, you know, running, touching different lines on the court up and down a few times. And sometimes we would do like 17s, which is running from sideline to sideline 17 times. Ugh. And we would have to do that in under a minute. I think it was under a minute. And he would wait till we got to like 16 and he would blow the whistle and be like, oh, yeah, I didn't touch the line on number five. Like stuff like that. He would wait till we get to the end of like one of our runs <laughs> and say somebody didn't touch the line. Like, oh, he used to be, uh, uh, he used to kill us with that. But it was always tough practices after a loss. Like, he really got to us after those
1: losses. And the other question in from Shelby, he says, I got to ask you about the fight at Arizona State. What do you remember about that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man, that fight was so crazy. Arizona State had a player. His name was Albie Story. and He was dirty. He was dirty. Like he hurt a couple of, he broke our guys. He broke Jarvis Turner's foot. He broke Sam Plancy's foot, like undercutting them, And he just played dirty, like always throwing elbows, low bridging, just talking trash. And so this particular game, it was at Arizona State. We were losing. He was talking mess. Eddie House was talking mess. And I fouled out. So when I fouled out, it was maybe four or five minutes left. And I went to the bench. I was like, look, y'all, after this, when this buzzer goes off, y'all better be right behind me because it's going down. Like, I told the whole bench that. I was like, it's going to be a fight, and y'all better be right there with me. Like, dead serious. And I don't know if the guys thought I was joking or not. And as soon as that buzzer hit zero, 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 and, and it went off, the horn went off. And you know how the, the team shakes hands. Right. I didn't shake nobody's hand. I walked straight up to Albie Story and just punched him right in the face. And when I hit him, it just started like an arena brawl. Like, some players hit me. I was chasing players around. and It was just like a team brawl. Like, a couple of their coaches, like, was trying to wrestle with me, talking mess. I had a couple of the coaches, like, the fans were talking mess. The coaches got into it. Like, Coach Bibby was about to fight their coach. It was crazy. I wish I had it on tape. I, I really wish I had it on tape. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, though. Like, I was ready to fight the whole arena because of that. Because Just because he was so dirty, and he kept getting away with it. Like, the refs, they weren't protecting us that game. It, it was just crazy.
1: Yeah, I remember the Jarvis Turner incident for sure i didn't remember specifically how sam broke his foot i mean i remember he had the broken foot i didn't remember it was due to story but i remember what he did i remember what he did to jarvis turner Mm -hmm. and that was yeah that was dirty i mean yeah so that's uh that's a great story
0: (laughs) it was crazy it was crazy I, i wish i could find some footage or somebody could find some footage of that game and it was so crazy because the pac 10 they reviewed like the tape And they didn't do anything to me because they saw how bad the game was and they just put like both teams on probation for the rest of the season. But they just saw how bad it was during the game that they couldn't punish me for retaliating. That's how crazy it was.
1: (laughs) I don't think you'd get away with that now, though. Absolutely (laughs) not.
0: (laughs) I'll be banned for the rest of my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit different times now. I mean, like you go back and look, like I grew up watching you know, the basketball in the 80s and 90s, and you're seeing mm-hmm. guys, I mean, like, again, the famous Kevin McHale clothesline of Kurt Rambis, right? In right the NBA right. Finals, You'd get, like, a half-season suspension for doing something like that now. And he got nothing in that, you know? I mean, it was ridiculous. Nothing, nothing. Yeah, now but, you
0: get kicked out for looking, looking at the ref crazy, you get right. kicked out the game.
1: You get teed up for saying and one at a ref. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's unreal nowadays. So different times, different different times. times in the end, what would you say was your favorite moment at USC? My favorite moment at SC
0: was that tournament run. It was so memorable. Like we're still talking about it 20 years later and whenever the team plays good, they always bring us up. So I think that was the best clip for me.
1: Awesome. Well, Jeff Trepanier, my guest today, It's been a pleasure going back down memory lane with you and talking some USC hoops. Thanks
0: for having me. It's always a good time.
1: For my guests, former USC basketball player Jeff Trepanier, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 26 of the Everything USC podcast. Presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Fight on.
0: I got another funny story about him. <laughs> so after the season was over, that's when they had the senior All Star game in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I forgot what it was called, but I, I was planning that, and I was out there with Ato, the director of Compton Magic, because he he was an Arizona guy. He, okay. He had out of play. and so I was riding with him in his in his Navigator, and we were on campus at Arizona State, and lo and behold, Alby Story was walking walking <laughs> past. So I was in the back seat; he didn't see me. So Atop blew the horn at him, was like, "Avi, Avi, come here real fast. And he was like, hey, tell me that story what happened with you and Jeffrey Pannier. And he was like, oh man, he sucker punched me. And Atop was like, no, that's not what he said, and rolled down the window. I was like, oh, what the heck? And so he looked at me and I looked at him and I just started laughing because even, you know, if somebody, yeah. if somebody beats you up, you're gonna think twice about saying something else to him. All right. And so he he just looked at me and didn't say nothing. And it was just, we just started laughing. Like, it was funny though. Like it, he was, he was shocked to see my face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah, good. Man.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.